got here last Sunday, I, I got up to the front and I opened up my uh, iPad to learn that it was my daughter's iPad. It had Disney on the front of it. I, I had, it was on the counter and I had mine plugged in. They looked exactly the same and I just grabbed it and walked out the door and <laughs> ran outside. Got a hold of my beautiful wife. She had home, got it. Thank God we live close and uh, you didn't know otherwise, but I had a mild heart attack. I just went. <laughs> oh. But uh, I wanted to read with you this morning. Uh, we're going to be in a lot of different passages. Uh, I wanted to begin uh, in John's gospel this morning in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, um, as we get here this morning. Um, I, I've titled this morning's message, A Firm Foundation. And uh, it's an, it really is, is not just about dads that are here. I, I want to recognize fathers and and uh, appreciate them, and uh, to know that, you know, really in the truest sense, uh, every day is Father's Day for our Heavenly Father, and so as we recognize our earthly fathers today, we recognize our Heavenly Fathers. You know, my, my dad um, is home with the Lord today, and one of the great blessings of being a believer is knowing, you know, that one day, you know, I'll see him again face to face, and uh, until that time, you know, um, you you have those, these days like this, and you can think back to memories and, and great times that you shared, um, but the beauty of it is in all of our lives, you know, we have a heavenly father who loves us, who, who has made a promise to us, as I'll share with you, who will never leave you, never forsake you. There's no place that you can go in this life or uh, in the life to come that you can ever be outside of his presence. And that's really our comfort. Uh, it's really the focus this morning that I want to spend time on. But to appreciate, um, you know, the dads that are here. Um, you know, my father-in-law, Rod, um, you know, he won the, uh, he's over with the offering right now, but uh, the most children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and, you know, I have a wonderful father-in-law um, that has loved me like a son, and as from the day that I met him, you know, so in my life, from my father to my father-in-law, I've shared with you, you know, Armin Savage, he and his wife, Pam, uh, Pam's uh, dealing with uh, a bout of cancer right now, uh, they were following online at home, but, um, you know, Armin was my junior high PE teacher, and um, I, I've always said this, that, you know, he, he was the first man besides my father that I ever loved. I mean, I loved being around him, and I love the fact that all these years later that he's still uh, alive, he's still in my life, and uh, such a wonderful human being, and those of you that know him, um, he's just such a dear, dear, sweet man. And that, you know, and I'm just, I'm surrounded by just a wonderful staff of men that are masculine men. They, they are compassionate men. They love God. They love their families. They love our church. Um, you know, just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful group of men. And so it's, it's easy, you know, on a day like this to, you know, to look at it and to celebrate um, just the power, uh, you know, of God's love. And, and when you grow up in a home uh, like I did, and you are surrounded by men like I have been and the men that I get to serve with, um, it's really easy to appreciate and understand the love of God because you get a clear picture of it. And, and, and I know that not everybody's that fortunate. And my heart goes out to you uh, when you don't have that kind of reminder and you don't have that, that you know, uh, Jesus with skin on, you might say, you know, example each and every day. And it's one of the reasons that we love church. You know, we can come together and we can talk about God and we can, uh, seek to um, live out the life of Christ that he is working in us, you know, to, to know today that as a dad that, you know, he has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. The key is don't resist that work, you know, don't, don't 
don't fight it, you know, go, go with it and, and allow God to have his way. And so there's a few things I wanted to remind you of, but I'd be totally amiss today um, if I didn't start because I didn't even see her. But my sister Beth, who I introduced you to last week, today is her birthday. And uh, yeah, so on Father's Day, you know, so I'm, I'm blessed that she's here. She's getting ready to head back home. But if you would uh, uh, bless her today with me, if you'd join me, could we sing her happy birthday today? I know she doesn't want that, but uh, she deserves it. And at her age, they, you know, there's not many more, you know, where, I mean, these are, you know, no, I mean, it's just, it is, it is, it is what, and sing loud, okay? I mean, I'm not going to say why, but just sing, you know. No, she's, she's how, how old are you, Beth? 60, 65. I knew how she was. I was she's 65 today. Yes. And she is a beautiful person through and through. I, I actually was going to uh, do my message today on her. Um, I was going to say everything I've learned, and I mean this sincerely, everything I've learned about being a good dad, I, I've, I've found in my sister. Um, she is the, one of the most loving people you would ever meet in your life. Um, <sighs> told myself I wouldn't do this. But I was going to have her actually do this in my message because it fits what I'm going to be talking about. But I was going to have her write down since she's been here how many people she's visited with um, and how many, how many just hours that she's spent. I mean, each and every day. I mean, she has spent the night with all of uh, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews. Uh, she's, she's up at the crack of dawn and she is with people throughout the course of the day. She's having breakfast with one of our kids and lunch with them and dinner with them, driving to LA to see you know, one of her best friends, coming back, uh, going back you know, a few days later, seeing her best friend you know, again. And it's like, I'm going, do you ever, like, do you ever sleep? You know, do you ever, and uh, obviously she lives in New York, but uh, just that she pours her life, you know, into people. And I was going to do a message on how do children spell love and they spell it T-I-M-E. Um, and it's time, you know, it's that you invest time. It's not that you just, I mean, she's always been as really all my family is. And I don't know why, but I think it was just my parents were that way to us. But most of us are pretty much into, in our family, are gift givers. You know, we love giving to one another and give to the people that we love, our family, our friends. And um, it's just, you know, amazing that, that she's, she's so, so giving. But what she gives the most of is one of the things I want to encourage you dads today with is that, is that you would give the gift of time. You know, it's easy to, you know, and I remember an old expression, you know, it was a, a it just, and I'm not a hunter, but it just stayed with me because I, I, I got it. And it was a message from a father. He said, uh, I would rather go hunting with my son today than go hunting for my son tomorrow. And it was just such a powerful, you know, uh, picture, you know, what it does to spend time. And so I know that, you know, it's, it's important, um, you know, and it's one of the reasons why it's so important for the church to come together is that we spend time together. Um, you know, we can say a lot of things, but, you know, actions speak louder than words. And uh, it's one of the things that, you know, I'll miss when she's, uh, when she's gone. I know um, ah, uh, our kids will and uh, our family will, but um, just very, very, very thankful for you. So on that low note, <laughs> if you would, 
join me in singing her happy birthday on three. One, two, and three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Beth. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Thank you. And I'll tell you what I got you for your birthday. <laughs> I, I was thinking, what do I get my sister for her birthday? She's a, she loves bird watching, okay? And she's always sending pictures of birds. And so, you know, I always try to tell her funny jokes about birds and, you know, everything else and find pictures, you know, where, you know, a bird sitting on a wire and then a big hawk comes and takes it, you know, and stuff. And, you know, and it's just my morbid sense of humor, you know, and, she, she tolerates me and stuff, but uh, I thought, what do, so what do I get her? Well, I'd seen uh, uh, this, like, you've seen those ads, like you get them on social media, and it shows it was a, like a uh, telescope, but it was a little tiny one that you could just hold in your hand, and it shows like a guy's on top of a mountain, right? And he's looking at somebody that's like a mile away, and he just turns this thing, and I mean, you can literally see what the people are wearing. And I thought, man, that would be so cool. So I was thinking, I would want one of those. And so I bought two. No, no, <laughs> no. And so I thought, I'm going to get my sister one of those. Well, I ordered it like a month and a half ago, but it came from some foreign country. You know what I'm talking about. So it's going to be here hopefully by next birthday. So it's there. So it's in the mail. That's what they said. I checked it, but... Uh, you're going to get this really, really cool, high-powered, handheld. You'll be able to see birds. You wouldn't even have to leave your house. You'd go, oh, you, you know what? I, I'm pretty sure that you could. Yeah, she asked if she could see us all the way from New York. And absolutely. That's what it's designed for. So, so anyway, there you go. Now that I've wasted the whole morning telling my personal life stories, forgive me for that. Let me get into... Uh, what we really, really need to, and I want to talk to you about today. That's really on my heart. There's an old expression that says, uh, be careful what ladder you're climbing in life, as you might just reach the top of the building and realize you're on the wrong building. And it's kind of a, a great reminder. You know, we, we're all trying to build our lives and we're all trying to achieve certain things. And, um, you know, but there's things that, like I said, we can, we can accomplish in this life and ultimately be dissatisfied. Uh, but we'll never be dissatisfied when we we climb the ladder um, of our relationship with God, and uh, when we seek to to know Him and to love Him and to make Him known. Uh, you will never ever be disappointed in that. That's one of the reasons that on Father's Day it's always good to go back and to really think about our heavenly Father and the impact that He's made in our life. And so, as we read this verse, I want to read it with you, and then we'll pray in John chapter thirteen, verses thirty-four and thirty-five. It says this, and Jesus speaking here, he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. He says, love each other just as I've loved you. You should love one another. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And obviously I was reading from a different translation, but I wanted you to get the impact of that. You know, for your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love today. Thank you for the love that you've shown us as we study your word and we start to comprehend your heart, which is just so amazing that, God, you could love people like me, like us, and yet you do, and it's an unfailing love. 
And so, Lord, today, as we pray for our fathers and we think of our earthly fathers, who your word has said that they've loved us the best that they can, as best that they know how. They've done the best job that they can. They're not you, but God, they can be a reflection of you as we all can. And so, Lord, today we pray for our fathers that, uh, Lord, they would feel loved. They would feel appreciated today. And that, Lord, as you um, love them, that you would use us, Lord, um, to be an expression of that love. And that, Father, in all of our lives, that we would grow closer to you today. By doing that, Lord, we grow closer to one another. And all that we have need of to minister to each other, we know it flows from your throne, a throne of grace. And so we thank you so much for that today. I pray for those that, uh, Lord, are missing their fathers, Lord, this year, um, that are hurting, that maybe this is the first year they've gone without them on a Father's Day. May you be their comfort and their strength for those that their fathers are or alive, may we have opportunity to reach out to dads and to appreciate them and remind them of the investment that they've made in our life. And uh, Lord, may they feel appreciated today. And maybe there are some that are here that are estranged from their fathers. And Lord, we pray for reconciliation today, that maybe this would be the day. And maybe it's impossible. Maybe their father has, has passed on and is no longer here. But Lord, thank you that you fill that gap. I thank you that there still can be forgiveness. There can still be grace. There can still be mercy. Everything that we have need of, Lord, today, you provide. And so we thank you as our heavenly father. We appreciate you. We love you today. And uh, Lord, we just want to love you more. And so help us to do that as we study your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want to talk to you about, you know, God's love being the foundation of our life. And it's, it's for the simple reason this whole last week, I've, I've been thinking so much about this is that, you know, I can't give you what I don't have. I used to express this to our youth, you know, when I was the youth pastor, I said, I can't give you what I don't got. I know that's not proper English, but it's the way that I always could remember it. You know, if, if you're starving for, for food, you need food. If you're, if you're dehydrated, you know, you need water. And you read a passage like this, you know, in John chapter 13, where Jesus is calling us, you know, to love one another as he's loved us. You know, you have to think, you go, do I have that love? Do I have what I need. And, and most of the time we could read a passage like this. And if you're like me, you start thinking of, well, how could I do better? How could I love more? And, and, and if we're thinking that way, we're, we're really missing it in one sense, because, you know, oftentimes, like I said, on Father's Day, um, you know, dads, you can feel like, man, I'm going to go to church today and the pastor's just going to beat me up and tell me all the things, you know, that I'm doing wrong. And that is not, you know, my heart at all today. Um, I, I, as dads, I mean, I want you to know that you're loved and that you're appreciated, that you're valued, not because of what you do, but because of who you are, um, because that's the message that God would want to communicate to you. I remember the very first message I got to preach uh, in this sanctuary. I was the youth pastor at the time, and it was a Father's Day message. And, uh, and I mean, I was excited. I was looking up all the words that I was going to share and, and, uh, and I looked up the word father, and it was like I had this epiphany in the, in the midst of it. And I was, I was looking at the definition of what's a, what, you know, what does Webster say, you know, a father is? And so I was writing it down. And this is back, you know, when there was no computer. So everything was just looking in, you know, a paper dictionary and writing down on note, a notepad. And I noticed that the word father fell right between the words fathead and fatigue. And I thought... <laughs> That's the perfect definition, you know, uh, uh, and I was so excited, you know, I, was gonna try, I think, you know, I'm onto something here, you know, how God just works in mysterious ways that, you know, 
Because I was thinking, because that's how I feel as a dad. I feel like, you know, I'm either a fathead or I'm just wore out. I'm just fatigued, you know, in this whole thing. I just don't, I don't, I don't get this. And, uh, and like I said, as I, I look this, you know, this up, and, and I know oftentimes as dads, we can feel that way. And, and it's not God's heart for you. You know, sometimes, in the, like I said, in the world, um, it, it can be cruel, you know, and how we treat one another. But I, I really want to speak to two groups of people today. And, and so just to know that we're all on the same page here. Again, raise your hand if you're a dad and keep it up. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever had a dad. Okay. All right. Okay. You're scaring me. Some of you. That should be everybody. Okay. Every, okay. I was just trying to get everybody involved here. Okay. You know, all right, but you can put them down there. So I need you to finish the sentence for me. If I am thirsty, I don't need to have you say it out loud. Okay. <laughs> I just trust me when I say what I'm about to say, you'll understand why. If I'm thirsty, I need, uh, and then you can fill that out in, in your own mind but you can finish that sentence. If I'm thirsty, I need a, and if I'm hungry, I need, and you can think about that. If I'm hungry, I need this. If I'm thirsty, I need this. And if I'm unloving, I need, and you think about it. If I'm unloving, I need, and we start to think like that. If I'm, so for me, I go, if I'm thirsty, I need a drink. If I'm hungry, I need food. And if I'm unloving, I think about it, the natural, I need love. And I want you to think about it because it almost seems like it's so obvious. And when you read a text like this, you know, and you go, and I, I strive, I want to be more loving. I want to do these things as a father, as a, as a friend, you know, as a brother, uh, whatever, you know, our relationship, you know, might be. And yet I, I, as I look at scripture, I'm going, but how do I become, how do you become more loving? Is it because you try harder? Because if you try, I can tell you, you're going to fail. If you just go, oh, I think I'll try hard, and you just get become more frustrated because I can't give you what I don't have. We weren't born loving people. We were born selfish. We must become born again to become loving because it's not what we do. It's what God does in and through us. So the foundation of love is God. 1 John 4 tells us God is love. If you have a desire to become a more loving person, then you're going to have to receive that love from God. That is the only possible way that you and I can become more loving. And so we don't look at it that way, though. I, I believe that when we become unloving towards one another, we don't just say, oh, if I'm unloving, you know, that I usually, if I'm unloving, I usually blame it on the other person, right? It's their fault that I'm unloving. And I don't see the deficiency in my own life. But just like if you think of it in the obvious way, if I'm dehydrated, I need water. I need, I need replenishment. You know, if I'm starving or if I'm hungry, I need food. If I'm unloving, I need love. It's not that I, I'm giving it. It's I need to receive it. It almost, like I said, sounds contradictory to the way that we think when it comes specifically to being loving. And so, I, I, like I said, I wanted to, to share that with you because, you know, I, I hope it, that as we look at this today, that we never grow tired of the gospel because it really is the simplicity of the gospel. When you start to think about, you know, what God has done for us and how he's motivated in our lives, you know, we share often, you know, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And, and we think about, you know, 
how God operates and what he does in this life and that everything he does is motivated, the motivation, or you might say the lens of what he looks through is his love. And you think about in our lives, what would change or what would be different if we looked at every circumstance, every situation, every person through that same lens? Would our lives be different? And I think the answer is yes. And you go, but how do I do that? How do I give in the sense of what I don't have? And the key is, is to go back to understanding what Jesus is declaring here. When he says to us, he says, love one another as what? I have loved you. Everything that you have need of is what he's declaring. He has provided. You don't have to well up within yourself. You don't provide this in your own strength, your own ability. He says, you know, I will give love. I will give you love. I'll give you all that you have need of. You know, we, we think about, you know, 1 Corinthians, you know, chapter 13, the love chapter. We think about, you know, Galatians chapter 5, and we think of the fruit of the Spirit. In both, you know, cases we're talking about love and how love is personified, how it's expressed, how it's evident, you know, in all of our lives. So the bottom line is this, church. I can only love as I'm loved. If you think about that, I can only love as I'm loved. And when you find people that, you know, are, are angry or bitter or unloving or they're unkind, you go, why is, why is that? Is that just naturally? You go, well, it could be because without God, that's who we all are. You go, but what about the, the people that are in God that are unloving and they're unkind? And you go, what is it? You go, well, it's probably just the same thing that happens with if you are dehydrated, you are in need of what? Water. It's just like what happens when you're hungry or you're starving. You're in need of food. When you find yourself, and maybe this is an aha moment for you, if you find yourself today being unloving or being unkind or being uncompassionate, you go, it's not, oh, I need to, <laughs> I can't give what I don't have. If I'm dehydrated, I need to be replenished. Amen? And, and it's just a reminder today, especially to me as a father, to you fathers, you know, that it's so easy in this world because we get so busy that we get dehydrated, we get hungry, and we are, we're pulled in so many different directions that we can lose sight of the very foundation of how God operates in this world, and it's through love. And men, we don't think often, you know, about love, you know, in that regard, but we need to because it really is, like I said, the lens in which God operates in this world. Everything he does, and I love this expression, everything that God does, his word declares, it must first pass through the filter of his love. Nothing happens to you that doesn't first pass through the filter of God's love, that his nature, that he is good, and he is good all the time. You can depend on him, you can count on him. I love that expression that says, you know, that can, can God love you any more than he does right now? No. Does God love you any more when you're good? And does he love you any less when you're bad? And you go, no. But you think about our love in the world, you know, there's, there's this, you know, aspect of love when you think about it is that, you know, it's so conditional. You know, when if people are performing the way that we want them to perform, we love them. If they don't, then we don't love them. And you go, but that's not God's love. And, and that's not the call that Jesus makes to his disciples when he says, love one another as what? As I've loved you. That, that's the call of the Christian life. That's the call of a father. That's the call of a mother. That's the call of a family member. That's the call of a friend. 
is that we would love one another as Jesus has loved us. And when I'm not, I can't blame other people, but that's what we do. And that's why Jesus would say, you know, to the Pharisees, you know, get the log out of your own eye before you try to what? Get the speck out of your brother's eyes. It's so easy to be critical when your eyes are on everybody else. But the gospel's for me. The gospel's for you. That's where it begins. I can't give, like I said, what I don't have. Can Jesus do any more than he went to the cross and he died for us? Amen. No greater love is any man than this, than a man would what? Not usurp his authority or his rights or, you know, but know that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And to think that Jesus would call us friends. Jesus tells a, a story in Matthew 7. It's the two builders, if you remember. And he tells a story. He says, you know, he who builds his house, he said, upon the sand. He said, when the storms came and the winds blew, he said, you know, this, the house fell. And he said, but the one who builds his house upon the rock, he said, you know, when the winds came and the, the, the winds blew, the storms came, he said, that house stood. And you think about it and you go, what, what was different about the two builders? They used the same material. So it wasn't, you know, that it wasn't a construction problem. It was a foundation problem. It's what they were built upon. Anything that's built upon anything less than God's love will ultimately crumble. It, it can have a facade for a period of time, but it will fail because 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what? Love never fails. See, people say they love, but actions speak louder than words. At some point, because you're trying to love from within yourself, but eventually you're going to run out and you'll give up. You think of, you know, the, whether the prevalency of divorce in this world today, the brokenness in relationships is because one or both people quit loving. That, that's the bottom line. And if we would just be honest about that, just say, I'm not loving. It's not that you're not loving because my love for you cannot be predicated on your love for me. Otherwise, it's not love. It's not God's kind of love. God's love is a one-way love. And, I, and, and there's where our security comes in. And that's what the thing I really wanted to share with you today. Because foundations are so critical in the building. You can't build outside a foundation. I've shared this story with you before. You know, Lee and I, we had the, the privilege to build, you know, one house. You know, that we got to buy the lot and, and sit down together and, and dream about what would our house look like and work with an architect and everything. And so they go to pour the foundation. So we drive over there that day and Lee gets out of the car and she's like, oh my gosh, honey, they messed up. And I was like, honey, what's wrong? I mean, what did they mess up? And they go, look, our house is so small. They go, I'm sure that, you know, they didn't, they didn't pour enough concrete. And I'm like, honey, this is our house. This is, we can't afford anymore. This is, it's it. You know, it's seven tough sheds tied together. I mean, that's what this thing is, you know. But, but she's looking at it and we had to call the, we had to call the, the builder and come over and he's like going, no, it's one, two, three, taking the tape measure out. And he goes, nope, that's your house. And we're just like, oh my gosh. And uh, I remember when we built our house that Randy and Anita gave us some of the best advice and I never forgot it. And I've shared it with dozens and dozens of people. They said, when you build your house, build as big as you possibly can afford in the square footage because you can't go back because you can only build as big as the foundation is. They go, you can get new carpet, you know, go with the cheap stuff. You know, when you first build, you can, you can put that stuff in later, you know, especially if your kids ruin it all, you know, and everything, but you can't in the sense add on. 
And then that's so true when you think about that because there's a foundation. Paul writes about it, right, to the church at Corinth. He says, there's no other foundation than any man can lay than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. It's building our life upon him. If you're doing that, you're going to be successful. If you're building on anything less than that, again, ultimately, it's going to fail. But I, I wanted you to think about this because if you think about, you know, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well there in John chapter four, he, he said something to her. And I think about when you, you're talking about, you know, if I'm thirsty, I, I need something to drink. If I'm hungry, I need food. If I'm unloving, I need love. And he told her, he said, in John chapter four, he said to this woman, he said, whoever drinks of this water that she was going to that well for, he said, will thirst again. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst but the water that I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And you think about that. When God does something, it satisfies. And it doesn't just satisfy for a little bit. That's how you know the difference between, you know, uh, sensual love. You know, we talk about, you know, the different aspects of love. Agape love is God's love, that unconditional love. When we, when we are demonstrating agape love, or is it eros love? Is it physical? Is it storge? Is it love is love between brothers and sisters. Is it phileo love, love between friends? There's obviously different degrees, but what God has for us is an agape love, an unfailing, unconditional love. And, and when we understand that love, and again, if you find yourself today, you go, I mean, if I asked everybody and we were honest, you go, could I be a more loving person? Probably most of us would say, yeah. Yeah. And you go, but how am I going to do it? Are you going to do it because you're going to try harder. I can tell you, if that's what you think, I tell you, you are destined to fail. If you and I would say, hey, I, I want to be a more loving person, then I would say to you today, then let God love you more. Let God love you more. And you think, you go, what do you mean? That's foundational. You cannot give what you don't have. And when we're not being loving, it's because we're somehow we've cut ourselves off from his love. And I don't mean lost our salvation or anything else, just not enjoying that relationship. Because you know, when you're, when you're with him and you're walking with him and you're in tune with him, love just becomes the natural flow. That's what Jesus said. Out of your innermost being will what? It's not what Pastor Mike said. He said, will flow torrents of living water. If it's not flowing, you can't blame somebody else for that. Jesus provides all that we need. So I want you to think about it. Here's some verses for you. If you're a note taker, you might write these down and go study them later on. I'll put it this way. The Father's love is non-condemning. Non-condemning. Romans 8.1, therefore is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Father's love is compassionate. And it's sensitive. It's caring. Jeremiah 31.3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. No, hell is not what drew you to salvation. It was the cross. It was the love of God for me and you that drew us to Jesus Christ, not his wrath. Wrath doesn't work in drawing people in. Love does. Three, the Father's love is secure. And these are things, like I said, this is foundational. As you and I comprehend these and we know these and they become so rooted in us, you go, we're experiencing his love. His love is secure, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Number four, the Father's love is immeasurable. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, be able to comprehend with all the saints, which is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Number five, the Father's love is always present. Psalm 86, five, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Number six, the Father's love is calming. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Number seven, the Father's love is captivating. 1 John 3.1, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Number eight, the Father's love is higher than the heavens. Psalm 36.5, your love, O Lord, is in the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Number nine, the Father's love is empowering. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Number 10, the Father's love is constant. Psalm 139.18, if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Number 11, the Father's love is giving. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Number 12, the Father's love gives life. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you've been saved. Number 13, the Father's love is priceless. How priceless is your unfailing love? Both high and low among men will find refuge in the shadow of your wing. And number 14, the Father's love is enduring. Psalm 136.1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And number 15, the last one here, the Father's love is, 1 John 4, 10 and 11, says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so what do all these verses speak to? And I say, you know, and I, I think about, you know, being more loving. They all speak to the assurance of God's love for me and you. And it's what we, I think, how many of those, that's one of your, you have a favorite verse that I just read. One of those is in your category. Man, that's my go-to verse in my life. Yeah, but for many of us, it is. There, there's so many, because what? To know that we are loved unconditionally, that there's no condition to God's love because it's not predicated on what you do. It's predicated on him and what he's done for us. You can't have greater security. He wants us to be secure in his love. And then the call, and this is, this is where we fail, then he, the call of God is that, what does he say? That you would love one another as what? As I have loved you. Man, aren't you glad that God doesn't treat us the way that we treat one another? <laughs> where would the kingdom be today? Thank God for his unfailing love. The best way... Then dads, moms, sisters, brothers, 
You know, when I think about on Father's Day for us to love our kids, love our spouses, love our family, love our friends, is to go back to the beginning, is to understand the foundation, the foundation of God's love. Is just as Jesus said in John 59 there, is the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. What does he say? Abide in my love. You know what that word means to abide? It says make yourself at home. Are you at home in the Father's love today? Do you feel at home there? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure? Because he wants you to. Or do you feel out of step? You know, in so many ways, what happens is our relationship with God can become in question because of how we become in question with our relationships with our earthly fathers. Like I said, I've been very fortunate. I was blessed with, I knew my dad could be hard on me, but I, I never, ever questioned my dad's love for me. I have a father-in-law who's loved me unconditionally since the day that I met him, even before, even before Lee and I got married. You know, like I said, Armin, I, countless coaches, you know, men in my life, staff members, you know, present and ones in the past that we've had. Just men who can love, who can love unconditionally. And I, 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 like I said, I, I hope that you have men like that in your life as well because it makes all the difference in the world. Like I said, do I understand why people look, you know, at Father God and they just, I can't comprehend it because they had a cruel earthly father or they had cruel men that were in their lives. And you go, I get it. I understand it. But what God is inviting us to do is to come home, is to be at peace with him, to be able to rest with him, to be able to comprehend and understand when he says, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, he said, I wouldn't tell you, but I go to prepare a place for you that we could be home one day, all of us with God. I, I want to I end today in, in giving you a story, like I said, a gospel story. It, it's such a wonderful story, especially on Father's Day in the world that we live in today. Because there's so many, you know, and I, I want to ask, a, it's a personal question here. Um, how many of you, by a show of hands today, uh, and I hope you'd feel comfortable in, in saying this and sharing this, that you'd, you'd say you have a prodigal, you have a prodigal child today. You're a parent here. You can raise your hand. You have, you have a prodigal, yeah. And, and many of us do. And, and I want to encourage you in this because it's easy when you have prodigal children, you can blame yourself. And sometimes there's, there's a rightful blame that's there because of our failure. I know for many, they go, you know what? I didn't know the Lord, you know, back then. And and the damage is done. But the beauty of it is, is there's grace. That, that's the beauty of, of repentance. And that's the beauty of, of God's reconciliation. But again, we can't give what we don't have. So uh, again, getting past all those things means in the sense of coming back, you know, and experiencing afresh. So for maybe some of us today, maybe you've never enjoyed a personal relationship with your heavenly father. You've enjoyed a relationship with the church but never really with your heavenly father to, to have that security. Maybe that's because of the men that were in your life. But you need to understand that, that Jesus was 100% man and he was 100% God. And Jesus came to show us the father. He came so that we could understand God because without Jesus Christ, all you know are concepts about God. You know, scripture tells us that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth and you could look at the moon and the sun, and the ocean and all the beauty of creation and go, wow, you know, there was a God, but you could never know him personally. Jesus is, is what made God personal for me and for you. And that's why Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. 
And so in this story, the story in Luke chapter 15, you know, we have the story of what? The prodigal son. And, and the reason I share that with you is because it, it's such a beautiful picture what Jesus is trying to do. If you read the whole chapter, it begins with the Pharisees, you know, and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and they're trying to find fault with him. And the fault that now that they're finding with him, it says that he eats meals with publicans and sinners, that he hangs around with tax collectors. So, you know, he hangs around with the people that everybody else doesn't like and the people that are rejected by everyone else. And, and so they've got an, an issue with Jesus. And so Jesus wants to communicate something to them. He wants them to, to understand the father's love. So he's, he's basically tells a story like this. He's going, I, I want to tell you a story about my dad because you don't know my father because the Bible says that no one has seen God the father at any time, only the son. But Jesus has seen him and he knows him. And he says, I want you to know my dad. And I want you to understand my dad's heart for people, especially the people that nobody else likes, the people that nobody else wants, the people that everybody else finds fault with. He goes, those are the ones in the sense he goes, now, does God love us all equally? Yes. But does it appear at times that he loves us more than others? And you go, yeah. And you go, why? You go, because he loves us as much as we need to be loved. And, and I love that about God. Whatever you need from him, he'll provide. And so here in this story, Jesus tells a story first about what? There was the lost sheep, right? The lost coin. You know, think about the values in that. You know, the lost sheep was, you know, one out of a hundred. So there's 1%, you know, of, of a loss there. Then you've got a woman who loses a, a coin. That's one-tenth, you know. And then you have a father who loses a son. That's 50%. I mean, this is, so it's the, what that should teach us is, People are way more valuable than things. I think when you look at loss, you know, all those things are important, but nothing is more important than people. That with God. You can replace things, but you can't replace people. Okay. And so here's Jesus telling this story. So he tells the story about this father who has a son. And I'm just going to paraphrase it for you for time's sake. And he says, you know, that here's a son that comes to his father, his youngest son. And he says, you know, I want the inheritance that's mine. And in Jewish custom, what you did, the older son would get two thirds of the inheritance and the younger son would get one third. And this is the younger son. And, he's, and he says, dad, I want my inheritance. Well, normally, when do you give an inheritance out? It's when someone dies, right? And so what is he telling his father? He's totally breaking one of the, the 10 commandments. Honor thy father and mother, right? It's the most dishonoring thing that he could have done. As he said, dad, I wish you were dead, but since you're still here, you know, can you just give me my inheritance and I'm going to leave? And not only in the sense did he dishonor his father and his father, what it demonstrates is, again, it really shouldn't even be called the, the prodigal son. It should be called the prodigal father because really it's a story about the father, not the son. It's how the father responds to the son. And in the sense, we are all prodigals. Remember when John Corson, you know, John Corson was the pastor at, uh, uh, Applegate Fellowship in, in Oregon, Ashland, Oregon. And uh, his son is now the, the senior pastor there. And uh, John would say in his commentary, whenever you read a story in the Bible and it has a good character and a bad character, just remember you're the bad character and that way you'll always get the story right. And then it's really true, you know, so we're all, we're all the prodigal son, you know, in this story. But the important thing is not that we see ourselves, we know ourselves. <laughs> we know that we're sinners. I mean, we can pretend, we can, but we really do in our heart. We, we get it. But to understand God, 
to understand his love, the security of his love. If I was going to title this, you know, when I think about, you know, for a dad on Father's Day, and the thing that I would want to communicate to you today and his brothers and sisters in Christ is leave the light on. Remember that old Motel 6 commercial, you know, hey, and just remember, we're leaving the light on for you, is that, you know, if you have a prodigal today, leave the light on. Jesus said, you know, you are the light of the world. You know, there's darkness all around us. This is the best time in the world for the, the church to shine. But we've got to make a deliberate decision to shine. We've got to make a deliberate decision to choose to love in the face of very unloving people. It's happening. It'll happen in the world. It's going to happen in the church. Jesus said it's going to happen. There's going to be a falling away. It's going to be falling away people you wouldn't even think. And you go, why? It says, because the love of many is going to wax cold. You're going to see it. It's going to happen all around you. And, and if, yes, and there'll be all kinds of excuses. It's them. But you know, that's never God. God doesn't make excuses. He provides everything that we need. When Jesus was beaten, he was crucified, he was dying on the cross, what did he say? I'm going to get you guys, right? No, he said, Father, what? Forgive them for they know not what they do. The heart of love. And so here's this father does what? It shows he's compassionate. He doesn't, he doesn't go off on his son. He goes, what does he do? He gives him his inheritance. Does he, and the father knows, and it says, and the son goes away, and he does what? That he wastes. He wastes his entire inheritance as on prodigal living. What kind of living? Well, it'd be like in our day and age, if you, went, if you were you know, a good Christian parent, and you raised your kids in the things of God, and they said, you know what? I'm taking everything that you've given me, and I'm going to Vegas. And I'm going to live in Vegas, and I'm going to gamble, and I'm going to visit prostitutes, and I'm going to do, because that's exactly what he did. Everything that was, was in your face to the Jewish culture, that's what this son did. It says, and then he got away. It says, and... He's feeding pigs, which are unclean, right? Jewish culture under Jewish law. But it says, but he comes to his senses. And you go, how did the son come to his senses? Because he understood something about the consistency of his father's love. And when he came to his senses, he said, he said, well, you know what? I've blown it big time. And I'm not even worthy to be my father's servant in his household. So I'll just, you know, be a son. I'll just go and I'll ask him, can I just be a slave? Can I just, because he even recognized that what? His father was loving and caring and compassionate even to the slaves that worked in his home. It says something about what? His integrity. It says about his consistency. You know, who you really are is who you are when no one's looking, right? Yeah. And Jesus is telling this story. He's going, because I want you to know my dad. I want you to know his heart. I want you to know the, the, the consistency of his life and how he thinks and how he feels. That's why I was sharing with you all those previous verses that you can understand foundationally everything God does, everything he thinks, every action, every deed is motivated by his love in my life and yours. And his command, it wasn't, it wasn't an invitation. He said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. You know, wow. And so here's Jesus going, and here's my dad. And so when the son goes away, he's living a prodigal lifestyle. He comes to his senses. 
And so he heads for home. And scripture tells us that the most beautiful part of this story, when you think about it, and this is God, okay? And it says, while the son was far off, it says the father saw him. What does that tell you about the heart of the father? Did he just go on about his business? It was like, meh. Or, no, we understand every day he was looking for his son. He was watching for his son. He was praying for his son. He was waiting for his son. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love isn't proud. Love doesn't seek its own. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. Love endures all things because love never fails. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus is saying. And so here's this father. He sees his son. And what does he do? Now you have to understand this. If you don't understand Eastern culture, this doesn't make any sense to you. Why does he run? Why does he run to his son? You hear all kinds of things, but really the truth be known, the reason he ran is because if that son made it into town, everybody in that town would have been just like you and just like me. What are you talking to him for? Why are you helping him? What are you doing? You know, do you understand what he did? Da, 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 da. He's just getting what he deserves. But the father got to the son before the community could. He got there. So what did he do to get there? Well, like I told you, they didn't have Hanes underwear back in that day. So what did he do? He picks up his outer garment and he's running. He's sprinting through town. He's exposing himself. He's humiliating himself. He's willing to do what? To suffer so that his son might find life. So unlike a lot of what we know. But that's our God. That's our Heavenly Father. And when he gets there, what do you think he did? Do you think his first words were, ha, I told you so. You ever heard that? Told you so. You know, what, do you, what were you thinking, stupid? You know, what was going through your head? Well, nothing was going through your head. Why are you such an idiot? You know, da, 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 da. Oh, there's all kinds of things he could have said. I know, what does scripture say that he did? It says that he ran to his son, says that he grabbed his neck, he embraced him and he wept and he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him and he kissed him. What is he showing? Love, compassion, care. You're the prodigal. I'm the prodigal. That's the relationship that God desires with us is that we'd come home. The light is always on with God. He does not turn off the light. Love one another as I have loved you. And I'm not going to go into the rest of the story about, you know, the older brother. That's a whole other sermon in itself. It's the, it's the love of the father. It's the kindness, Romans tells us, 2-4, that says that leads a man to repentance. And when I think about, you know, on Father's Day, you know, in my own life, what made it so easy for me to fall in love with Jesus was the men in my life that made it so easy to fall in love with them. That I felt safe, that I felt secure. Oh, they were men. I mean, there was nobody that was more of a man than my dad. I mean, he was masculine, he loved sports. He, you know, then I got the, my father-in-law, I got the hunting side. My dad didn't hunt, my dad didn't fish, he didn't do all that kind of stuff, but we played sports. You know, my father-in-law is a man's man. He can, you know, make a fire with nothing. 
you know, cook fish, you know, kill things and bring it home and we eat it, you know, and stuff. Um, and my mother-in-law can cook. That's the other side of it. You know, people talk about eating game, man. It was like, I, I never went really dove hunting. I think I went once in my life and all I did was contribute to, you know, ammo sales because I didn't kill anything. But man, you know, eating really good game bird when it's fixed right, you know. But it makes it so easy when you understand the heart of the Father. And, and, and Jesus is wanting these Pharisees to know the heart of the Father, is that we serve a God of love, a God who cares about us, a God who will never, ever give up on us. When we turn towards home, he doesn't wait till we get there. He doesn't make us wallow. He doesn't make us suffer. He doesn't make us plea. He runs to us. That's the heart of our father. And that's the heart that he desires for fathers everywhere. But I can't give what I don't got. And so when I look at this today, the thing I want to encourage you with is then the invitation for me and for you is come home. Is let God love you. Because you can't give what you don't got. But he will give you freely, it says, all things. And so if you find yourself today, you know, whether you're a dad here, a mom, you know, if you're a man, a woman, young or old alike, you just have to answer that question within your own heart. Am I a loving person? Could I, could I love people more? And you're going, how am I going to do that? And the answer is so obvious, it's right there all along, is let God love you more. When you let God love you more and you understand and you comprehend the height and the width and the depth of his love, it's easy then to love other people. Because as he, as Jesus said, and you drink from that well, the water which he gives, you will never thirst again. Jesus satisfies, amen? And I hope that he does, you know, for you this Father's Day. And so whether, like I said, you know, you're a dad, you're a mom, you're a sister, you're a brother, whatever, you know, we can all enjoy this Father's Day because what a father we have in heaven, amen, who has loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Something to celebrate today, amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your life. We thank you for the blessings, Lord, that you bestow upon us and I pray today for every dad here, uh, Lord, because I know, Lord, they wouldn't be here if they didn't love their, their families, if they didn't love their friends, and especially if they didn't love you. And yet, Lord, um, as your word declares, and we get it, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, God, there's things that take root in all of our lives, the, whether it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, uh, the pride of life, the cares of this world. But Lord, the way that... Uh, those things disappear is by your grace and by your love. As we're washed, as we're made clean, Lord, as we come to you and we confess our sins and we repent and we turn to you, Lord, you never turn us away. You just draw us close. And Lord, those things that uh, we give up, you, you replace. And Lord, you replenish and you refill with all of yourself, all that you have to offer, your love your goodness. And so, Lord, today we pray that, God, you would fill us up. Lord, as we go out into this day, Lord, into this week, Lord, that the world, as Jesus, you said, by, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. Lord, give us that kind of love. Give us that kind of heart, we pray.
and thank you for being our Abba. Thank you for being our Father. Thank you for being the perfect example, the perfect model, Lord, of everything that we need in this life. We find it in you, and we bless you today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we'll send you out uh, uh, with song. Uh, for you dads, just know we've got